0: Hello and welcome to BizQuick, I'm Corey. And I'm Julie. And on the podcast today, we have David Furin out of Hibbing, Minnesota. He is a retired entrepreneur and he is going to talk to us about exit strategies and his business life in general. Welcome, David.
1: That's right, you're listening to BizQuick. This is where Julie and Corey provide quick and useful information to small business owners. BizQuick is the podcast where small business owners get to showcase their businesses and receive expert advice and guidance in areas many entrepreneurs struggle with. And you, the listener, get solutions, tips, and tricks on real-world topics that many small business owners face. Julie and Corey are the experts small businesses hire when they need solutions. And the BizQuick podcast is just one way they deliver those solutions. Let's start the show. Hi, guys.
2: Hey, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. And you? Good, good. Feeling a little under the weather. So Corey's going to take most of the conversation today just to kind of save my voice a little bit. But yeah, I'm good.
0: Okay. Yeah. So uh, David, tell us about uh, your past there in the um, you know entrepreneur, small business world. What did you do?
1: Well, I was in the welding and steel fabricating business. Um, you know, we were located in Hibbing. Um, we have uh, there's a substantial mining industry that's that's up in Hibbing, so a lot of our product or a lot of what we were into evolved around, you know, the mining company needs. Um, mining is a pretty rough and tumble business, so there's a lot of wear and they, you know, they break a lot of things but our business was mostly not on the heavy equipment, the actual mining end. our business was based in and around the uh, processing plants. So we were more into, you know, the processing equipment that was in the plants, not the big shovels and trucks and, and that sort of thing.
0: And how did you get into that? Um, Did, did you start that? Or did you take over a company?
1: Um, No, I, myself and my partner um, fellow by the name of Dan Shea, uh, started the business from scratch. Uh, we started in April of 1979. And uh, we actually started in my dad's garage. And the first expansion that the business had was a big tarp over the driveway to the garage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, so you started just fabricating parts in your dad's garage and then you grew it into um you know how large were you in terms of like employees
1: or you know whatever we were we had as many as 35 employees but i guess consistently we ran about 28 you know 28 was our constant number so we were a small small fabricator
0: sure um And then the big thing that we want to talk about today is obviously the the exit strategy. So you built a business from 1979 until
1: when did you eventually get out? Um, I sold, or I should say we sold, my partner and I sold all of our stock in December of 12. And uh, we had a four-year employment contract. And, um, you know, so I guess... You know, we were still on the payroll till December of 16.
0: Okay, so you were like, you cashed out in 2012, but you were still working until 2016?
1: Yes, okay. and I don't know if you'd really call it working. I think it was more like practice retirement <laughs> for those four years, you know, because the the people that that bought our equity, you know, they knew the business. So you know they didn't have to rely on us for too much. So that was a nice thing about it, also.
0: So what did that um, operating agreement really look like?
1: Um, you mean as far as when we sold the business?
0: Yeah, um, okay. and we'll we'll get into the actual sale here in a second. But yeah, the the.
1: Well, okay. For since day one, my partner and I, you know, I mean, we had an operating agreement or buy sell agreement, as I refer to it. And, um, you know, we were, a, we were a C corporation, so, you know, annually we'd sit down at, uh, at year end and, and set the, the value of our stock, you know, which basically comes, you know, there's many different ways to formulate a business's value as, you know, as you know, but uh, the reality of it is, is that it, it, like with a partnership like that, you know, what each partner would be willing to pay you know, should, should there be a death or somebody wants to get out or, you know, so that value has to be set, you know, annually. So, um, you know, we had that in place and oddly enough, we, before we sold the business or we, before we put the wheels in motion, um, you know, we had hired a consultant to come in, you know, just cause Hey, maybe we're way off on this thing. And, um, the consultant's number was exactly where we were at what it was worth, you know, so, you know, that was kind of an interesting, uh, you know, an interesting fun fact that, uh, you know, the experts saw it the same way that, you know, that we did.
0: Yeah. Wow. And you kind of kick yourself. That's You're impressive. Like, that... Why did we just pay this guy?
1: Yeah. But um, along those lines too, you know, and, and I'll, I'll just say that we could have sold our business for, much more than what we we sold it for okay and you know had we you know there's some private equity firms that were running around and we even got contacted you know by a couple different ones um, that um, you know we could have sold it for more money but the other thing is is that it would have tied us into the business for a longer duration of time you know and we worked you know 30 some odd years you know it comes to a point where you know you just enough and you'd like to kick back or go do something else. Um, Would you like to know how we handled the sale or what? Of course. I want to jump in with a quick question though, before
2: I wanted to ask if you and your um, business partner, I think you said his name was Dan. Yes. Were you and Dan in alignment all the way along for when it was time to sell or was it, was there some
1: conversations that had to occur? Oh yes. Yeah. No, we were pretty much, we were pretty much in line Uh, Dan was two years younger than I was, you know, so I, you know, looking at the social security retirement thing, you know, I was, you know, I'd get there two years before Dan, but um, oh no, we talked about it. And, you know, and that's what was really invaluable about having that buy-sell agreement that was up to date annually, you know, because when we started the discussions, you know, I would say, you know, Dan, this is what I think we should do, you know, unless, you know, you want to just buy me out at that particular time and then you can go on and do it. And no, he was in total agreement with what we were doing. And the two employees that we sold to, you know, those boys had a lot of sweat equity into the business also, you know, I mean, they were good employees, they were key employees and uh, you know, like I said, they had sweat equity in it. So, I mean, kind of a nice opportunity for them too.
0: Did. Uh, When you and Dan initially started the business and I know that, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, whenever it was that you actually started, um, you probably didn't have the, uh, you know, exit strategy in mind. But as you grew, like as you like made your company, did you have regular conversations about like how you would want to exit, what you would sell for, why you would sell that type of stuff?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, certainly we did. And, you know, what we would sell for. Like all, all along through the whole deal was, you know, what we had in our buy-sell agreement.
2: So every you know, year the buy-sell agreement would get updated?
1: Yes, yes. So you and would
2: essentially do an evaluation on the business annually for what it was worth?
1: Yeah, and it's not, um, n- no, it's not that finite, you know, where when we had the consultant c- c- come in, you know, I mean, that was pretty fine. You know, he went through a lot of things, uh, Dan and I would basically sit down over a cup of coffee and well, what do you think? Well, you know, we bought this newer, or, or we, you know, or, or we picked up this and you know, the business has grown by this much. And yeah, it was just, but you know, we were very, very active in the business. So we always had a pretty good seat off the pants feel for what it was worth. You, you know what I'm saying? Now, buy-sell agreements are very, very important. Um, you know, and it, and it's important that they're maintained um, because you could have a particular situation where, well, okay, let's let's say it's it's Dan and I, and um, geez, you know, I was to tip over or something, and and uh, you know, Dan has a buy-sell agreement that's maybe two years old or three years old, and you know, Virginia would come along, that's my wife, and say, hey, no, this thing is worth more than this. And, you know, then enter attorneys and, you know, get kind of mucked up. Um, I had a, um, just a sideline to that, um, a member of a hunting club, a, a duck club. And we had an individual that passed away and he had a large, he was a large, large estate. And um, um, at, the, at the time it was US Bank that was handling the estate. And this, this hunting camp involved lakeshore, it involved outbuildings. And our stock value was very, very low because that camp, when it was started in the thirties, it was started and set up to perpetuate. And if we would have never had our annual meeting and our stock value when this gentleman passed, U.S. Bank, because they would have to do due diligence to the family, but also to the IRS. If we wouldn't have had the documentation on what that stock value was, you know, it would have been a mess. So buy, sells, and, and to keep them current, are, I, I can't stress that enough, they're very important.
2: Yeah. I'm curious on the, on the buy, sell agreement. Like if you, like, if what, if you also took into consideration as part of arriving at that sort of the price, right? Essentially the value of the business, what it's worth, what you would sell it for. Did you look at like the, you know, your, your customer list? Did you look at like the processes and, and how they were, um, how defined your processes were and all of the components of the business or what did you, what, what went into determining the, the price that you guys would list each year when you reviewed the buy-sell agreement?
1: Well, I think, you know, I kind of touched on it a little bit, you know, where the business had gone in the last year. Um, as far as any processes or things that were proprietary to our business or items like that, we really didn't pull that into consideration. You know, but that's not to say that you can't do that. This is just what we did you know and i think the other thing too is that when you when you come down to doing an internal you know over over 30 some years naturally this business had a lot of assets you know so it's pretty hard for um in these modern times you know banks play pretty close to the vest you know they're and especially when you're talking business loans um You know, they like to see a huge down strike or, or, you know, at least a lot of cash on hand that the individuals that are purchasing the business would have. And so an evaluation, it's got to be a number that the financial people can live with, too, if you're passing it on.
2: Absolutely. And you have to think about, you know, the, the number that everyone is good with it. And that's, that's where part of where that operating agreement comes in, it mm-hmm. becomes so important, right? Because the, the operating agreement, the buy sell agreement, because you need to be in alignment with your business partner um, or you're in a world of hurt when it comes time to sell. If you think it's a good price and your business partner does not, our partners yeah. people have good yeah. lesson in there too, because I think there's probably been, you know, right now, the um, thought of exiting companies, there's a lot of people buying up and a lot of people selling companies, right? So understanding how that all works is, Mm -hmm. is important. And I I think a lot of people we've, we've um, talked with a number of people who don't even who don't understand how to get the right value on their business, right? They don't know, like, well, what would it be selling for Everyone's always concerned with the multiplier, what would the what's the right multiplier for our business? And, well, here's how you look at it, right? But a lot of um, a lot of folks don't understand that and they assume because they're so personally invested that the value of the business is significantly
1: higher than it usually is. Oh, Julie, you couldn't be more right. And um, and and not that, that and not that, that number is wrong, but the key is, is that where's the buyer? You know where where's the buyer at that number i remember i remember we were sitting in a meeting when we were kicking this all off and we had you know our personal financial planner there who also took care of the needs of the business as far as insurance and everything we had our cpa there and we had our banker there and uh when my business partner dan and i said well this is the number that we have on the business you know, the personal financial guy choked on his coffee, you know, the accountant, his eyes kind of bugged out. And he says, you know, both of them said, you can get more for this business, you know, cause they were, you know, looking at different formulas, you know, and, um, I said, great, where's the buyer. And then it, they sort of went calm and the banker, he never said anything because he knew the number was a workable number. I, I'm laughing to myself right now
2: because I'm thinking that's how you know you're from a small town. I can't imagine a situation in which a banker's coming into that meeting. Can you, Corey?
0: No, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> but I want to uh, pause the conversation for a quick minute. We're gonna have a commercial break real quick, and then I'm gonna come back with a question for you about um, how you valued your business. Hey, everyone. We wanted to tell you about our latest course, Foundation 52, that will be available on February 15th. This course is built to provide tools and techniques every week of the year and is designed to improve your small business. If you're thinking about starting a business, this is a great resource for you as well. We walk you through sales, customer service, disaster planning, growth strategies, and so much more. Head on over to SB Pace to sign up today. And we're back. Um, So, Julia touched on processes and other stuff prior prior to this, and then we had talked about valuing your business. How much of your business was you and how much of it was what you had in place? Like if I were to buy your business, am I going to, am, am I losing David's touch? You know, am I losing his, his personality or is this, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It's transactional.
1: Well, I'm going to answer this as honestly as I possibly can. I think that there was a time um, you know, in the beginning when David's touch was very essential to the business, but as time went on, David did a real good job of hiring people that were probably smarter than David. And uh, I I kept those people. So I had key people in, in place, um, you know, as far as, you know, technical people, you know, engineering people, drafting people, um, design people. And um, yeah, so it's, as time went on, David was not the essential cog that he once was. Did and how did,
0: you, how did you manage through that? Because I know a lot of small business owners have a problem giving up that control.
1: Oh, um, it gets to a point um, with the type of business that we were in, it gets to a point where you have to, if you're gonna grow the business, okay, you have to share the load with some other people. Otherwise, you know, because there's only so much one individual or two individuals or three individuals can do, you know, when it comes to the technical aspects of, of our business. So for us to grow, you know, a lot of that responsibility had to be, you know, turned over to other people. So, I mean, uh, you know, what we had is we had like like five, six project managers that would, you know, handle each particular job, you know, that we're capable of doing estimating and we're capable of doing design work. So
0: did you see any kind of uh, decline in business after you officially sold? Was it seamless?
1: Yeah, it was, it was seamless. Um, you know, I mentioned that we were located, you know, in a mining region. So, you know, probably I'm going to say 70 to 75% of our sales, were mining related. Um, the remainder of our sales would you know was commercial structural steel. Um, you know, clinics, banks, um, you know, just steel required for commercial construction. Um, I got to back up now. Um, did I see a decline? No, but the the market that we served or the industry that we served was very cyclical um you know that industry would roll up and down and and you know and that was a constant um you know so you'd have up cycles and down cycles um and and that's the way that mining is and when you're looking at it being 70 75 percent of your sales you know you have to roll with those ups and downs yeah
0: go ahead julie
2: okay i was gonna say do you have a question there um I'm curious about the, your thoughts on um, what business owners could do today that um, may look very similar to the strategy or the approach that you used when you guys were running your business and then you know, consistently thinking about the exit, right? So there's this great book that is, I think it's Begin with the End in Mind or something like that, where it specifically talks about the importance of thinking about when you're starting a business, what is the end of that business look like, whether it be you dissolve it, you sell it, you know, you, you continue to work on some capacity, you sell it to a stranger, whatever. There's a variety of options, but, um, because of the time that we're in, right. With COVID and so many small business owners having problems, are there, are there things that you think people aren't doing now that just have sort of been lost along the way for, for, um, regular things that you looked at with your business that helped you to, to be able to exit from it with ease. Cause it sounds like it was a pretty easy transaction for you guys. Once you decided we're selling and here's what it's going to look like.
1: Yeah, it was very easy, but it, it does take some planning. Um, you know, like I said, in the years that we were in business, you know, I mean, you get to the end run, you know, the business had a lot of assets. And, um, so one of the things is, is that, um, you know, how, do the, how does these key employees, um, you know, come up with the capital, you know? So one of the things that we did, you know, like when we were in those up cycles, um, we would bonus those employees heavily. And so in essence, Julie, you know, the, the capital funds that they had that enabled them to go to the bank and take out a loan was actually, you know, money that we seeded them. You know, we'd give them a large bonus year end and say, okay, here's here's the deal. You can take this much of this money and, and you know, it's mad money, do whatever you want, but you better put away this much, you know, when the time comes, you know, you guys have to have a good downstroke on the loan. So by giving them that seed money, you know, whatever our business was, was worth, whatever that number was, um, you know between those two individuals they already had uh, 20% ownership is in stock you know before the before they ever went to the bank they already had 20% ownership of the company
0: and and you had that like was that just like something built into their contract or did you i mean was this
1: well we were very trusting individuals and these two employees were very very trustworthy too you know, so I mean, we sat down. And we said, "Hey, this is going to be the game plan." You know, we're going to bonus you guys up, but then, you know, you're going to turn that money back to the company, and we'll give you stock. You know, and uh, you know, and that's that's how we got them there with twenty percent ownership. And then the other thing about the other thing about that too is that, you know, there's many different ways to sell the businesses, as, as you guys know. But there, w- the way that we did it, and what my partner and I what we, why we like the idea is that we would not, if we were carrying paper or if we were carrying the financing on that business and, you know, we, you know, we were there for 30 some odd years, you know, they might make decisions that maybe, you know, we wouldn't be in total agreement. with, And, you know, we wanted to eliminate any over the shoulder looking going, oh, I don't know if I'd do it that way, you know, because we still would have had a financial stake in it the way that we did it is that they were able to buy us out entirely. And, um, you know, then they make their own decisions and we didn't have to second guess anything that they were making, any decisions they were making.
2: So was that part of the overall strategy when you came up with the buy price was that you lowered that price a little bit, knowing that for four years they were going to continue to pay you and Dan a salary and, but you weren't really
1: going to be working. So you sort of, took Took a portion of it over four years. No, we did not. No, we did not. They said it was, uh, you know, we they had healthy bonuses with the agreement that they would buy stock with a majority of the bonus. Yeah, but no, as far as tweaking the price, no, and the buy sell, no, we never never did that.
0: So one <laughs> one thing that a lot of people who we've spoken with, small business owners, um, they do not, like their business is their baby. And knowing that you're gonna have to give your baby up. That was, you know, 30 years of building a brand, a name, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it was. How hard was it for you to walk away from that?
1: Um, it wasn't hard. I, 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 there was no difficulty in it. Um, the the business we were in, it's, it's a tough business, you know, it's not an easy business and, um, you know, when stuff would fly apart, like in one of the mines or whatever, I mean, you know, you could be sitting down for Thanksgiving dinner and you get a call and it's like, um, you know, you, you better get out here right away. We need this. And, you know, it's what you have to do. And so through the so many, so many years that we were in business, you know, it's, there comes a point in time when eh, it might be nice. If somebody else takes the baton and charges forward, you know, I mean, you just, there's, there's so much gas that you have for that type of environment. And after a while, you know, after that many years, you, you know, you can tend to get a little burned out, even with the key people, you know, like I I talked about the good people that we had. um, but uh you know i mean when the uh defecation's hitting the oscillation it's the off op- my office door would still come open and hey dave what are we going to do about this you know? i literally had to
2: like walk my way through what that meant
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that entire answer to me sounds like you got paid enough <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to exit so um Well,
1: that was, and that was the other, and that was the other key thing, guys, is that, uh, you know, we started planning for retirement day one. You know, even when we weren't making any money, when we were living hand to mouth, there was what money could go into retirement went into retirement. And we followed through with that, with, that was kind of our philosophy with the employees too. You know, that could maybe be another conversation, but. Um, you know, they had retirement too. Because it's one thing that we agreed upon is that we didn't want to see our employees become 60 years old someday and there's nothing for them, you know.
2: Yeah, those are all the marks of really good business owners when you look at that having the exit strategy from the beginning, having the operating agreement, the buy-sell agreement, and, and looking at how you're gonna take care of your employees. And in all honesty, a lot of companies don't do that anymore. That's not that's not common, which I'm sure you know. Um, I So we're gonna to start to wrap up. I want to, We wanna know if you have any advice that you would give to small business owners today on things, just a, something they can do to help prepare themselves for exit.
1: Well, I think that if you have, you know, if if you're fortunate to have a couple of employees that are real key, you know, I think it's a good thing to work, to work with them. You know, it gives them some additional incentive if, you know, they're, they're good employees. And the other thing it's, uh, you know, they get some skin in the game and they get some, something out of it in the end run too, you know, Um, you, you have to think ahead. Um, You know, you have to be this living, breathing thing that we call a business, you know, you've got to be looking ahead 10, 15 years down the road of where you want to be, where, you know, if that's when you want to exit and start planning 10, 15 years ahead of time, you know, because it's a, I I can't imagine being at the end run and have to put this together in a couple of years, you know, you, you just can't, you're going to have to, sell out to a, to a competitor or, or private equity or or liquidate you know
2: yeah we see that with um with people that we talk to as well small business owners that we've spoken to who are um ready to sell but they want to sell but they haven't done any of the work up front to be mm-hmm. able to get to that point and they think like let's just do a valuation and we're like well there's a whole lot of things you're going to want to do before then to make sure that you're going to get the most money possible out of this business that you've just spent your entire adult life pouring your heart and soul into. Sure. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, David. This was a really good conversation and. One that I'm sure our listeners are going to um, benefit from. So thanks to our listeners as well. And you can get all the information on exit strategies in our show
0: notes. Yes. And you can connect with us on social media. We are on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, probably like a dozen others. I don't even know, but find us. It's on our websites. We are at sppace.com and bizquickpodcast.com.
2: Yep. And while you're out there, um, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. Actually, we're going to say subscribe it, download it, give it a review, like it, and tell your friends and family about it.
0: Yes. Tell your friends and family. That's very important. Um, You can reach out to us about topics. So uh, on any of those uh, social media sites or websites, whatever it is, you can contact us. Let us know what you want to hear, what you like, what you don't like and check out the book that we wrote. It is a number one bestseller on Amazon and there's a digital companion workbook that you can get from our website.
2: Yeah, and our book is called Seriously, Now What? A Small Business Guide <laughs> to Disaster Preparedness. That's important. And I also wanted to say, for those of you that are um, following along and listening to our show, if you're on Clubhouse, come and follow me because I do a lot of small business coaching And we talk about sales and marketing and all the things that would benefit small business owners and clubhouse is new to our social media strategy. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America.